I want you to turn to the letter that Paul writes to Titus right after 2 Timothy. We'll go to Titus chapter number 2, verse number 11. Titus number two, chapter 2, verse 11. Titus chapter 2. Verse number 11. All right. I'm going to read 11 through 15, then we'll come back to verse 11 again, and we'll let the Holy Spirit lead us. Amen. Amen. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, Denying, un <clears throat> denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great. God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself and purify for himself and purify for himself his own special people zealous fired up ready for good works speak these things exhort and rebuke with all authority let no one despise you. Amen. I'm fired up. <laughs> Titus, Paul writes to him and it encourages him and he's sharing in the first 10 verses about the responsibility and how we ought to be as men and as young men and as women and as young women and how to conduct ourselves because we are the church. He, he, he gets that all out and then he drives it home when he says, why? Because he 
paint a picture of what God has already done. So he says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Um, if I was going to give this a topic, I don't know if I would call it from grace to glory or grace is in him. I don't know. You, you, you choose after the message, but amen. But I want you to know grace is in God. Amen. But grace does take you to glory. Amen. All right. So 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 he writes. He's, and so he said the grace of God <clears throat> brings salvation that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This grace has already happened. We all have it. All right. We have grace that should turn us from sin. Amen. Right. We have grace that gets us up every day. Amen. You had grace to get here. Amen. He graced you to walk through the door. Amen. When your eyelids lifted up, you had grace to see. Grace. It was all through grace. God operates through grace. And it says grace has already appeared to all men. And then it says it's teaching us. So grace is teaching. Grace is your teacher. What God has done for you is teaching you something. And so the writer wants us to understand what Grace came for. Can you turn my mic down just a little bit? So the first thing that he says is grace is teaching you how to live the right way. Grace is teaching us to deny ungodly living to happen in our body. You didn't do it. All right. All right. You can't take credit for stop smoking weed. You can't take credit for stop drinking. You can't take credit. Oh, I quit this and I quit that. You cannot take credit. Grace did it all. Grace is a teacher that works on you to teach you how to stop doing by denying yourself. Grace abounds. Grace becomes much bigger than you. When grace gets bigger than you, it stops you from doing it. That's why he says grace abounds. Because if you do it for too long, how many of you have done some stuff for too long and God had to come in and stop you? See, when you hear grace abounds, you look at it in a whole nother way. Oh, yeah, grace is abound, so he's going to forgive me. No, grace will abound and stop you because it teaches you how to deny yourself. As long as, you, as, long as grace has not abound, you will be in control. But when grace does abound, you are no longer in control. You are in self-denial mode because the spirit of God has taken over. 
Here's the good news. The teacher is so good that nobody fails the class. Now that's what I call grace. Everyone that God has chosen, he has given grace. And so because Christ has already appeared, salvation has, has come, and we all have this, grip, uh, this, this gift of salvation. We've all been changed. We are now children of God. Therefore, being a children of God, we ought to know how to live right. And some of us have to be in class a little longer than others. Because some of you are soul learners like me. I was one of those ones that had to stay after school. The Spirit is teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, meaning that we are not focused on what the world offers us. We're focused on what the Word offers us. And as long as you are focusing on the world, you will be stuck in a rut. But the moment you start focusing on the Word, Who is the word? Jesus Jesus is the word. So as long as you are focusing on Jesus, then that grace lifts you up. It's it's when you take your focus off of Jesus that you have a problem. But while you're focused on Jesus, you have power because you are focused on him. He begins to operate on you and raise you up. Even when you don't feel like being raised up, when you put your focus on God, you are just lifted up above your trouble. You can come into church or come into Bible study and they start singing and your focus leaves. And you're focusing on God. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden you feel better. We should live soberly and righteously and godly when? Right now. Grace came to change you so that you could live according to how God wants you to. God has a plan for you. And when you live according to the plan, you can have what he has. The issue becomes that his people are still wanting. We want this, we want that, and we want the other. And it's because the Lord is not the shepherd. When God becomes your shepherd, what does the shepherd do? He takes care of you. And when you 
say, Lord, I give up. I want you to take care of me. He becomes your shepherd. God is so sovereign that he gives you what you need when you need it. He's always right on time. Have you ever been waiting on God to do anything for you? Did he take his time doing it? Sometimes you have to wait two or three minutes on God. You know, God, oh, I need this. Oh, God, I need And you got to wait. Because God is not so interested in giving you what you need. He's already promised, I'm going to give you that. He's more interested in giving you his grace. Because there's some stuff he don't want to give you. He wants his grace to perform through you. And so that other people could see his grace operating in you. Thereby sharing his glory with you. God does not do everything right, quick, fast, and in a hurry because he's interested in changing you. How many of you know you need a little bit of changing? He said godly in this present age. Now, now check this out. We can talk about what's going on in this present age. And, and listen, sometimes stuff happens and you want to act ungodly based on the situation. That's why God has to take you through all that he's taking you through so that he can trust you in an ungodly situation that you'll show up and be godly anyway. So he's teaching us two things. Number one, he's teaching us how to live godly. Number two, verse 13. Let's go. Stop right there. He said, looking. So looking what? For the blessed hope. My question to you is, what are you looking for? Because if you are not focused on the blessed hope, then you will be hopeless. But if you are focused on the blessed hope, you will be hopeful. And if you are hopeless, you become downcast. But if you are hopeful, you become joyful. I want to talk to the hopeful people that are in here. I hope that it works out. I hope that it comes together. I hope to see the glory of God in this situation. See, sometimes all we got to do is hope for it. When we start hoping for what God can do instead of hoping for what can't happen, sometimes we even hope for the wrong thing. What do you know we don't? Yes, you do, because you talk about it. You begin to talk about where your hope is. 
And you talk about what's going wrong more than you talk about what's going right. It says, looking for the blessed hope and what? Okay, so in one sentence, he's talking about Jesus has already come. Now he's talking about he's coming back again. So he says, while he's coming back again, he needs to work on his people so that his people can repair, prepare other people for his coming again. And so sometimes we think that we go through these hardships and these hard times because God is mad at us. God's not mad at you, and he's not mad at the one that hurts you. God will allow stuff to happen so he can have your attention. Most of us didn't even fall in love with God until we got hurt by something else. So it says he's teaching us, and okay, verse 14. Okay, okay, keep going. Oh, that's it right there. Who gave himself for who? That he might what? Redeem us. What does that mean? That means to buy you back. That means to pay a ransom. That means if somebody kidnaps you and asks for a ransom, somebody needs to pay the ransom to get you back. And the devil kidnapped you. He did. And a lot of us won't admit it that we were working for the devil. But here's the news. If you're not doing it for God, you are doing it for Satan. So now you have to make a choice. Am I pleasing God or am I pleasing Satan? Every action that you do, there is a choice in it, and either you will go back to the one that you used to be a slave to or you will be thankful that you've been redeemed and go to the one who has redeemed you and give him praise and glory for redeeming you and be so thankful that he bought you back. He bought you back. All of us was doomed. And God said, Jesus, we got to do it ourselves. So he gave himself so that he might. He gave himself so that he might. He's doing it all. Turn, turn over to Ephesians 1, verse 7. He gave himself that he might. He gave himself that he might redeem us. Somebody read verse 7. Stop right there. Where? Where? In him. He gave himself so that we might have redemption. 
He gave himself so that he might give us redemption. And then Paul writes to the Ephesian church, he says, in him, keep going. In him, we have, in him, we have the forgiveness of sin. Outside of him, there is no forgiveness of sin. Therefore, if you do not lead a righteous life, you are in the unrighteous, which is outside of him. But if you're chosen by him, which Ephesians um, verse, chapter 1 verse 4 says, we were chosen by him. He had a plan for us that his grace would show up, give salvation to everyone, and that through the same grace, the blood would buy us back and we would be redeemed by the riches of his glory. What does that mean? That means we can't even think about how rich he loves us, that he would do what he does, and his blood will cleanse us no matter what we get into. His blood brings us back. His blood is keeping us in him. Without grace, we cannot go into him. Grace gave us access. The blood did not come out of Christ until his skin was torn. That represented the veil. When the veil got torn, we had access so that we could have a relationship with our Savior. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank now that's grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. We're still in um, Ephesians chapter 1. Verse, verse number 7, verse 8. Was he made what? Okay. So he made, what, what does it say? What does it say, Josiah? Yeah. To abound toward us? He made it to abound toward us. That means he made it to, to, to come at us large, overwhelming. So, so you know how, you know how when, when something happens, you just feel so, so overwhelmed by God? And sometimes it's, it's so overwhelming, it will convict you and stop you from doing it, and you just feel so overwhelmed. And you can't describe to nobody what's going on with you, but you're just overwhelmed. That's abounding grace that has sucked you in. And once you get sucked in, it's hard to come out. Who's all in? <laughs> So he made his, the riches of his grace, which he made to abound. He made it. He made it. No matter what mess you made, he made 
grace abound to clean up every mess that we have ever made. That's awesome. But where is it at? In him. The grace is in him. That's why when you're away from him, you never become overwhelmed. You're not convicted. You remain in sin until grace comes. See, God is so good, he could have brought death, but he brought grace. I want to talk to the people who are ready to just give them a praise for grace. <laughs> Verse number nine. Whose will? Okay. Whose good pleasure? So this is all about who? Who's doing it? This is all about God. Breaking news. I know you're going through some stuff. Not about you. Here's some more news. I'm going to whisper this one to you so nobody will hear you. You're going to go through some more stuff. But it's not about you. God is up to something. The more you go through, the more of the mystery you understand. That's why you got to be careful when you pray. God, I just want to be closer to you. You got to understand that you have just said, Lord, come and light me up. Because he's a God of fire. And in order to get close to him, he's got to burn off some stuff. He got to burn some stuff out of you that you might not be ready to let go of. that he developed this system that is all about him. And the believers have to believe that. Or you'll quit. Listen, when you believe that, you'll stop talking about stuff that's happening in your life that you consider your problem. You don't have any problem. Pastor, but, no, but. <laughs> Period. You don't have any problem. Amen. Say it. I don't have any problem. You belong to God. They're no longer yours. Give him what's his. You holding on to stuff that you should have gave him a long time ago. If you give it to him, he will solve it.
having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed where in him he put it in himself and he used grace to bring you in because he he didn't do it all for himself he he included you he chose you. Even with the thoughts that you have that don't line up with him, he still chose you. And he brought you into a system so you could tell others about a system that you belong to and how the system works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Because sometimes people won't come to church because they got sin and, and we act like we got it all together. And, and sometimes people, some, one, one person told me, said, I don't want to come to church because I messed up and, you know, I might, might not get another chance here. That's not the church. The church is for people who mess up. The question is, are you mature enough to bless up? Because grace abounds. Uh, if you were okay to accept yours, can you be okay to give somebody else some while they get theirs? Man. For by grace, you have been saved. I knew that was coming. By grace, you have been saved through faith. That means you had to believe it. Am I talking to the believers tonight? God did not save you so you could point the finger at somebody else who still needs to be saved. God saved you so grace could abound towards you. Then he can use you to help get somebody else saved too. Can God trust you with somebody coming in your life that's messy so that God can clean them up on your watch? Are you willing to be God's vessel so that he can let grace flow through you? By grace, you have been saved. It's your job to believe. It's not your job to criticize. 
you got issues with temperament, go rebuke devils. Now what the scripture says, says you get all this grace, then go rebuke some devils. Stop rebuking people. You have authority to rebuke devils, but not people. For by grace you have been saved through, okay, and for those of you who need it broken down a little simpler, Paul says it this way, and that, not of yourselves. You didn't save you. And if you didn't save you, then it ain't up to you to determine who else is going to get saved. It's up to you to give the grace that God gave you so that they can be saved. It's not up to you to sit still and say how holy you are and talk about somebody else who's stuck in sin. Because the truth is, if it wasn't for grace, you'd still be stuck. It is a from who? Grace is a gift. You know how you get a gift. And sometimes you don't even know what's in it. But the package look good. So you're happy. A boa constrictor could be in there. But you so focused on what it looked like that you get happy. Grace got packaged up for you. And you knew what it looked like. And it took you a long time to open it. That when you opened it, you know how sometimes you get a gift, but the gift is meant for the whole house. <laughs> Let me run up out of here. <laughs> Some gifts you get. <laughs> Some, sometimes people give me a gift, <laughs> and it's so good, especially when they bake me stuff. Hint, hint, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And I get the gift, and I'm thinking about how much I'm going to eat, and I know the gift is for the whole house. And one time, I got these cookies I like, and they had chocolate and peanut butter. And I opened it, and I was so happy because I had it here. They said, And it said, to the family. (laughs) And I liked it so much that I just ate them. I ate so many of them before I even got home. 
and my stomach was hurting so bad. Yeah, you can laugh if you want to. You have absorbed so much grace. And it wasn't just for you. And you haven't shared the grace with the rest of the... Oh, goodness. It's a gift for the family. Oh, we got to go home. I got two more verses. Verse number nine. Not of what? So I know you got it popping. You can do this and you can do that. God's not impressed with what you can do. As a matter of fact, the only reason why you can do it is because of him. So God is not impressed by work. So don't judge anybody else by what they can do and what they cannot do. Oh, so-and-so could really pray. Did you hear him pray? Yeah, but did you see the one sitting still that was praying? That prayer reached heaven too. It ain't about what you can do. It's about the relationship you have with your God. It doesn't matter. That's why I don't trip on the school system talking about they're going to take prayer out of school. How are you going to take prayer out of anything? Shoot, God hears the heart. You don't even got to say nothing with your mouth. You go, mm, a prayer. And God heard you. Amen. I'm worried about a prayer. Uh, it's not of works, least anyone should boast about how many scriptures you know, how you serve. Because it's not you serving. You're just in him. When you're in him, even when you don't want to serve, you just mess up and serve anyway. It's in him. Verse number 10, and we're going to go home. We got to go. For what? Whose workmanship? We're his. How did we become his workmanship? Through his grace. Therefore, it is grace that is working on us to accomplish everything that we accomplish. For we are his workmanship, what? Created where? In where? So where, where should we stay? So we should obey who? Wow. So when we get outside of Christ is where the problem is. Grace isn't in the world. The world teaches you to apologize and they'll forgive you. Grace don't ask for an apology. The world does. And sometimes the church will say, well, I'll forgive them when they apologize. Breaking news. That's not in the Bible. Look it up, and if you find it, let me know. Created in Christ for what? Good works. Good works. Listen, 
if that's what you were created in, that's what you're going to produce. Sooner or later. It has to happen. Because grace won't allow anything else to happen. Grace is abounding right now. Because somebody is believing in this grace. And see, grace is so awesome when you, when you believe, because it's by faith. When you believe for somebody else's salvation, grace will go get them. That's the system, right? Amen. We're saved by grace through. So you can believe for somebody else and send grace to get them. <sighs> Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. He did this all so that he can walk in you and you in him so that others can receive the same grace that you receive. Now, now check this out. When we embrace grace, grace abounds. It's time out for us looking at anything wrong. Don't work. It's temporary. Anything temporary means that there's an end point. You are eternal beings. There's no end. There's only what's called victory through Christ Jesus, which is the grace. We got to believe that. No more worrying and no more doubting. Because doubting and worrying takes you out of him. Do you understand that that's why the enemy tries to talk to you all the time about negative things? And you think they're thoughts. They're not thoughts. These are forces of evil talking to you. Trying to trick you. He's a master of deception. He's trying to tell you they're your thoughts. That's why you could be sitting in church and just all into the word and worship. And all of a sudden something pops in your mind that's nuts. And you'd be thinking like, why am I thinking like this? And then you start looking around to see if somebody see what you're thinking. Am I talking to the right boy? I'm just telling you the truth. These are voices that you can run out because you're in grace and all you got to do is run back in. And when you run back in, it changes everything. So what, listen, if there's anything, any type of trouble, let it go. And go in and see the salvation of the Lord. That's his promise. Give God a hand of praise. Hallelujah.